All right, everybody, welcome to True Blue Cubs, the True Blue Cubs podcast. I am your host, Joe Kilgallen. For those of you checking it out for the very first time, I encourage you, go back go back and check out the previous episodes of this podcast, because this is episode number five. And the beautiful thing about this Cubs podcast is, the, is that even though I will do some recaps of what's happening currently, most of it has been an interview with fellow diehard Cubs fans about why they love our beloved Cubs. So far, I've done episodes with the director of morale, Dom Frederick. Got to check that out. Because that one, man, that dude, you, you don't get crazier than the Dom on Twitter. And you got to love it, right? Morale, Cubs and four, I don't care who we play. Then I had stamp comedian slash baseball historian Mike Bridenstine on the podcast. He's been on Comedy Central. He's been on the Eric Andre show. He's been in a Dunkin' Donuts commercial. I mean, come on. It doesn't get bigger than that. And just this past episode before this one you're listening to now, I had the one and only Crawley from Crawley's Cubs Kingdom and from the San Ranto podcast and uh, all sorts of other great stuff. That guy has been in like every Cubs documentary possible because whenever someone's like, let's let's film something about the great history of these Chicago Cubs, they're like, we got to get a fan perspective. Who are we going to get? The one and only Crawley. So go back and check those out. And I did a solo podcast, much like the one I'm doing right now in which I kind of recapped the 2018 season. Why the 2018 season? Because I think that was a season that a lot of people didn't realize what happened when it happened and the ramifications afterwards. There we go. All right. If I sign a little off tonight, it's because it's late on a Saturday. Uh, I, I was trying to record with a guest earlier this week and, you know, there were some timing issues. It was one of those things where I just had one of those weeks where I'm like, oh shit, if I don't record this day, uh, I don't know when I'm going to get a podcast up and that's not good. So I apologize to listeners um, because I appreciate the early support this podcast has been getting. Because again, it was a podcast I had started a little background. I started it just before the playoffs last year, like late September, got in a handful of episodes, did one or two after the season, and then just kind of took a hiatus to figure out what I wanted to do with it. And then I relaunched it as the True Blue Cubs podcast, in which I interview other diehard Cubs fans, you know, asking them their, if they could remember their first time at Wrigley, their favorite player growing up, all sorts of fun stuff like that. And then we do talk about what's currently happening. We kind of saved that for the last 10 minutes. Now, with the solo episode, I'm going to get kind of right into what's going on with the Cubs right now. Now, the Cubs fell today. I'm recording this. You're hearing this on a Sunday, hopefully, or whenever. But the Cubs fell to the Brewers today, 4-3 to three at Wrigley Field, um, looking to win the rubber game tomorrow with Jake Arrieta on the mound. Got to love that. He's been, he's been, you know what Jake Arrieta has been this year? He has been a veteran pitcher in every sense of the words. Yeah, I know that sounds crazy, but think about it this way. He hasn't had a single start. He's 3-0, and and he hasn't had a single start where it's like, holy shit, that was 2015 Jake. But every start he's had has been one of those starts where it's like, yes, this is a solid number three in any rotation. He's given us six innings, one run, two runs. He is... Every game has been a quality start. He's battling, you know what I mean? Even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he's still figuring out ways to get hitters out, which is kind of what I'm going to expect from him all season. I mean, look, he's going to have a game here or there where he gives up six or seven in, in three or four innings. That's going to happen to every starter but maybe 10 in baseball, everyone outside the top 10 list. 
So don't get too upset when that happens. But for the most part, I'm seeing just quality start after quality start, having moments where it's like, all right, this pitch isn't as sharp as it normally is. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to find a way to keep our offense in this game. And that's, you know what I mean? For the most part, besides a true ace, if you give me four other guys like that and you ride that, you ride that rotation deep in October. I'm serious when I say that. Obviously, you everyone wants the flashy ace, but uh, you give me a rotation full of guys like that, you're going to go pretty far. That's just the truth of the matter because that's really what a lot of pitchers become later in their career when the fastball starts to fade, but they just still know how to get hitters out. And uh, and that's all. You, out of a three, that's what you really want. That's what's kind of a bummer about the makeup of the 2021 Cubs. I was talking about this with my cousins. Kimbrell has been elite. He's the guy that you thought you were getting who'd been a guy well on his way to the Hall of Fame. And I remember thinking, you know what? You know what this Cubs team's missing? A U Darvish type, which it sucks. And I do understand the trade. And I'm not sticking up for ownership because I feel like it, was, it wasn't necessary to make that move um, at the time because he had three years left at a very team-friendly deal. And... uh or team friendly in terms of it's not like you give us a discount, but in terms of uh, what the going rate for an ace in major league baseball is what $21 million. I think he was due to make. And even with finishing second in Cy Young, it was a raise of 3 million over the course. So it took his total for the next three years from 59 million to 62 million. Again, that's if he was a free agent, he would have made more than three years, 62 million. That's for damn sure. I mean, Trevor Bauer is making $41 million just for this season alone. So that's double of what you're getting out of you, Darvish, coming up. I understood it from the standpoint of let's sell high, although we got teenagers. Look, though, the, the four young prospects they got, and they're very young, 17, 18, 18, I think one was 20. They could end up being amazing. Um, for all we know, next year at this time, they're going to be in the top 100 in prospects in baseball. I, I wouldn't be surprised if at least two of them crack the top 100 by the end of 2022 let's i'm not going to say at the start of next season but when they do like that year-end prospects list regardless though it wasn't a trade that needed to be done this year i believe jed was told by ownership you better you better cut some some salary pal and he did he had to do what he had to do and getting zach davies back for a team that you thought all right it, it definitely seemed like what Jed was aiming for, and this is just speculation on my part, is if all of these guys bounce back from the underperforming they did in 2020, except for Zach Davies, he doesn't need to bounce back. He needs to be what he was last year, which right now he's not quite looking that way, but it's very early. We could win the division again. And yippee, that's great. That's what you want to do. You want to, as many chances as possible that's why I'm okay with it. Some fans I've heard say, like, what's the point of making the playoffs if you're going to get bounced in the first round? Well, you don't know that. I've said this before. You, you know, you want to get laid, you got to go to prom, right? That's what October is. You got to get in there. Same thing with, it's like with March Madness. You think any team's like, oh, it's a bummer. We made the tournament. We're probably just going to lose. No, they're like, hey, you don't know what can happen. The number one seed in Major League Baseball has only won the World Series like five times in the last 20 years or something like that, or 25 years. When the Cubs won the World Series in 2016 as the team with the best regular season record, 
that was the first time since the Yankees in 99 or 98, I want to say. It just, you know, wild cards win it all the time. Teams that you think have no business being there. It's just, you get in October, anything could happen. I mean, it's baseball. We've seen it so many times. That's why when fans get freaked out, when it's like, we just lost two or three to the Pirates, it's like, well, yeah, that's going to happen too. Bad teams beat good teams every year. This isn't football and basketball. This is a sport with, it's a skill game. And, And skill isn't consistent. Like in football and basketball, your athleticism could overcome any kind of, you know, bad games you might be having. But in baseball, it's not like, oh, this guy's won for his last 27. He better hit the gym. No, that's not going to do shit for him. It's like, he better get out of his head. He better, you know, hit the strip club, hit, hit get, get some shots in him. And you know, don't not be too hungover, though, if it's a day game. But he better do something to take his mind off of baseball because if anything, he's probably pressing. So. With the the Darvish move, so right now I'm basically going to recap the offseason going into what's happening right now and what I think is going to happen for the rest of the season. Now, my hopes are still high because, like I said, I think Jed looked at it like, if these guys all bounce back, great. But then he probably thought if they all bounce back, like if Bryant and Javi have the years they had in, in 2019 and you has been the you he's been since the second half of 2019, then shit, we're going to win the division easy. But maybe he doesn't want that. Maybe he thinks they need the reset. So maybe he traded Darvish thinking even if Bryant and Baez are Bryant and Baez, we'll still come up short. And if we come up short, I could then make some moves at the deadline. You know, because you know he wants to trade Craig, Craig Kimbrell. Sometimes his name is hard to say fast, everyone. I just, I believe that. Because Kimbrell is going to be a very attractive trade chip. People will overpay for that final bullpen piece if they believe it's a dominant bullpen piece, and he's been a dominant bullpen piece. How many times are you going to say bullpen piece, Joe? How many fucking times are you going to say bullpen? I'm sorry, man. I'm just trying to be. I'm trying to be funny, listeners, because I'm exhausted right now. Um, I went to the Cubs game on Thursday night, so that's why I couldn't do anything there. And then I'm a stay-at-home dad during the day and a comedian at night. I had a show on Wednesday at the Laugh Factory. And then Friday night, it was yesterday was Friday. That was my son's second birthday. Um, so I just had a bunch of things going on where I'm like, I can't get an interview podcast. So now I'm doing this one Saturday night. I'm about to go do a show at the Rosemont Zanies. They're doing an 1115 show. Um, just letting you guys know where I'm at right now. So I hope you're enjoying this. I went to the Cubs game with uh, Crawley, uh, Danny Rocket. They're both from the San Ranto podcast, which, by the way, there's no competition here on my end in the world of Cubs content. There really isn't. I believe a rising tide lifts all boats. If I come across other pieces of Cubs content out there, whether it's an Instagram account or Twitter or some podcast or YouTube or whatever, I'll tell you. I'll be like, hey, go check this out. You know, I'm a big fan of what uh, Dom Frederick's doing, the director of morale. He's doing clubhouses now. Go check that out. I really don't think there's any competition amongst, I know I've heard that some people get a little serious with it and all that. And you know, the blogs and doing all this stuff. Look, I'm part of, I'm a contributor to Cubbies on tap. I want you guys to listen to my interviews with people here and then go think, Hey, what else does Joe have? You could get live game reaction from me on Cubbies on tap because we go live after a lot of the games. 
I'm sadly, I haven't been able to jump on any of those this past week. It's just a crazy week with my schedule. But the game was amazing. So big thanks to Crawley for uh, hooking up with the tickets. Michael Bowling was there as well. He works for the Cubs uh, social media and uh, Marquee Network, I believe he works for as well. He used to do MLB Fan Cave. Great dude. It was just a great evening. The weather was just right. I was wearing a sweatshirt and was completely comfortable. We had nice seats on the left field foul line where my old season tickets used to be. And... um. And the Cubs won in a walk-off fashion. Jason Hayward, base hit. You know, we, we sweep the Mets. Everyone's jumping up and down. Can't beat that. You just can't beat it. Oh, I should drink some water before that, too, because I am definitely stuttering over some words and some phrases, everyone. So if they would have kept you, I think we run away with this division. I really do. And that's just such a bummer when you think about it. Because, I, again, I mentioned the, the return of Jake. Imagine having you and Jake in the same rotation. Oh, God, it pisses me off. I, I preach Cubs positivity so much, but that was just one thing where I'm just like, oh, you know, because yeah, I remember trying to think to myself, because I try to trust in in the, because I believe Jed's a very smart guy. I don't think there's any denying that. Um, I think one of these days, maybe a couple decades from now, Maybe a book will be written and he could talk about, well, here's what happened. Ownership lost a shitload of money during the pandemic. They wanted to get things down as much as they could this year because they weren't sure how many seats they'd be able to sell. And they got panicky. And that's why that trade was made on December 29th, right before the year would end. Maybe for tax reasons. Maybe if they thought they got that contract off their books. It's a tax write-off for the year 2020 and all the madness that was in 2020. I don't know. I don't really know what it was. But that's just the way it felt. Again, I'm, I'm speculating here, everyone. But I look up and down this rotation, and Adbert looked nasty today against the Brewers. Um, he's got great stuff, throwing throw 96 with ease. So for everyone who thinks the Cubs just have a bunch of fastball pitchers whose fastballs can't break glass, or a bunch of change-up pitchers, I, I should say, don't, don't sleep on Adbert. And Jake still hits about 91-92. It's really just you know Mills, who's in the bullpen, Hendricks, and Davies. I mean, Trevor Williams doesn't really light up a radar gun, but he's not hes not throwing high 80s. He's throwing low 90s. He's looked solid, too. I mean, I like the, the way with Nico Horner being back up, there's just something. There's enough about this team I like, and I like their chances to win this division, as is, as is. So I just keep thinking to myself, please, Cubs, just keep playing like the way you are. Try to get, you know, a good – if they're because if they're above 500 – at the all-star break, they can't sell off pieces. That's why I wouldn't be surprised if they're around 500, like in late May, early June, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, a he pulled the trigger on a deal or two. And I'm thinking in the Kimbrel, he's the biggest trade chip, but not named Chris Bryant right now. Cause Chris Bryant's the bigger one right now. But as far as something they could give up that the fans wouldn't freak out about, because a lot of fans are probably still like, well, he was terrible the last two years, so I don't blame them for moving him now because who knows? He's a couple bad weeks where he blows some saves. Then his value, his value is completely gone. So I think that's why he's the guy that's going to be first on the block. And then you look at the history of closers being traded midseason. There's, oh, it's always been a pretty handsome price. I know the Cubs famously traded Glaybar Torres, who, by the way, isn't very good these days. Uh, still very young, though. Uh, for a role as Chapman, which was the right move at the time, a trade I would make every day of the week. Um, 
despite the personal stuff he had going on, it's, it's Major League Baseball. Look, we got to be honest with ourselves. We're competing with other teams. And the rumors at that time were that the Giants and Cardinals were going after him too. Even the Mets, I think, were talking. There was several teams that the Cubs were at the time being like, well, we don't want to face him come playoff time. Imagine if Chapman went to the Giants instead of the Cubs and we faced them first round. And then you think about the game that we came back against them. Just, you know, you got to think of it that way too. I'm sure there's plenty of times. Also, if you're a fan out there who really always just, it really affected you. It's you're allowed to have that, that moment affect you in any way possible. Who am I to tell you? Right. But you also have to know never in history has a team of 25 angels won the world series. Not the fucking team, the angels. I'm talking about like really good human beings. No saints. You know, there's always been every World Series winner has had one douchebag dickhead on the team uh, that kind of ruins the team photo. That's just the way it goes. It turned out with us, we ended up getting two with uh, Addison Russell joining Chapman in the piece of shit fucking island that they both should be on for the rest of their lives. So that's why I think Kimbrell's first to go. Like I said, they could get something real. That's the thing too. I'm I'm starting to think, you know. Obviously, I, I'm always optimistic, and I, I want I'm I'm here for all 162, and I'm rooting hard, and you know I I I still love so many of these players, but sometimes if I if we're playing devil's advocate, I I mentioned this on the Cubs on Tap podcast back when the Cubs were what were they five and eight at the time or six and nine, that what if we traded Chris Bryant. And the way he's been playing, I mean, he's looking like MVP for Chris Bryant again. We could get some, a couple top 100 prospects, at least a top 50. Kimbrell might net you a top 50 on his own. So you trade him, and then you get a haul for Bryant. Damn, right? Especially since Kimbrell's got that option, so it makes him even more attractive to potential buyers. But then, say we do this, come off season, free agency hits. We say, hey, Chris Bryant. Why don't you come on home? You know, look, you know you look the best in cubby blue print stripe. Here's a big fat check. Come on back, buddy. Come on back. And then he resigns like the Yankees did with Chapman. I think that would be fantastic. Because I think Chris Bryant, as the season goes on, he is going to be inching up towards the top of that free agency list. You know, like websites like MLB Trade Rumors will do like top 50 free agents. Brian is going to get damn near the top. I think last time I checked, they hit him at like number six. Uh, Lindor was one, but he's off now. And then I think Seager, they got a little bit higher. And then, you know, Carlos Correa is up there. And Noah Syndergaard. And there's, there's some attractive pieces out there. So that's my thing, too. When I hear these Cubs fans, like, we got we to gotta tear it down to the studs. I'm like, why? Who told you that? This isn't like when Theo took over just before the 2012 season. When we had aging and bad star players left, you know what I mean. He's a, this isn't the Marlon Bird, Alfonso Soriano, Cubs team. I think those were the two big offensive pieces. This isn't, you know what I mean. That's it's just not that team. So there's no reason, and we have a different infrastructure. There's just so much more advanced organizationally from when Theo took over before the 2012 season to now that there's no reason to rip it down to the studs. We saw a glimpse of the future today. Edward Elzele looking amazing on the mound. Nico Horner, big hits. You know what I love about Nico? He doesn't give a shit how fast you throw. He, he stands in there so well against fastball pitchers. See that walk he drew against Hader at the end? Fantastic at bat. 
Love what I've been seeing out of him. Obviously, he had a really great spring. I understood the move at the time. I was a little, I was mad about the move, but I understood it because I really think they just wanted to see what Bodie could look like if they played him every day. And and Sogard, who I know a lot of people don't like, which they, as a person, I don't know enough about him. I know his wife's anti-vax, which I'm annoyed by too. I don't like anti-vax stuff, you know. Um, so if you're listening and that upsets you, sorry. My wife's a nurse. This shit's real. Get, get a fucking shot. But Eric Sogard has been good for the Cubs. He's been a good off-the-bench guy. He makes solid contact. His defense has been good. And he had a really good spring. So at that moment, they had three guys. Bodie actually had a better spring than Nico. So they're like, let's give Bodie a second place, second base job. Sogard, if he doesn't make the team, he's going through waivers and someone else is going to scoop him up off the spring he had. And we kind of want to keep him around because he's the type of different style bat we need. So it's interesting. Today's lineup having Nico at short and Sogard at second. Nico could play short. Nico's the lead at second, though. He's a gold glove at second. That's why I didn't want the Cubs to get Colton Wong. I'm like, we have Nico. If Colton Wong was willing to sign a one-year deal for a little less than what he signed with the Brewers, fine. But he didn't. He signed a two-year deal, I'm pretty sure, or at least with an option. And I'm like, I don't want someone blocking Nico. Even though I I did think to myself, if Nico did start, if AAA season started in April like it normally does, but they waited until May 1st, fine, because then he would have gotten a whole month's worth of consistent at-bats. And then May 1st, you could say, like, hey, this guy's hitting 380 at AAA. He's the type of bat we need. Hits fastballs well, sprays the ball around, doesn't strike out. Let's call him on up. But if you had Colton Wong, then you're keeping him down the whole year, which is like, what the fuck's the point of that? He's, I think he's 24 now because he was drafted out of college. So in 2018, he was drafted out of college at like 21. So 22 and 19, 20, yeah, he's 23, 20, going on 24. What? Why would you waste a year in which he should be making, or not making, but like producing is the word I'm looking for at the major league level. just stupid to me. So I'm glad they didn't do that. I really am. And Colton Wong, by the way, has been a league average hitter his whole career. As Cubs fans, we just think, every Cubs fan was like, Colton Wong, Colton Wong. I'm like, yeah, he's got great glove, but you, you think he's a better hitter than he is because he hits well against us. Look at his numbers. Go to fan graphs. They got weighted runs created plus, which is basically where you could tell it's like one of the better stats for whether or not a hitter's good above average or below average. And he's basically at average, slightly below, I think, even a lot of seasons. So... Calm down about Colton Wong. But we saw a glimpse into the future today, which means there's no reason to just go, let's rip it down to the studs and go for a full rebuild. I'm imagining we could see Braylon, once the minor league season starts, I'm curious because that starts May 1st. If Braylon Marquez, the, the big lefty who's 21 years old, who throws 101, who had a, you know, I'm even say a cup of tea, or what's it, what they say, a cup of coffee is like when you just come up to the major leagues for like a second. He, what had one inning against the White Sox? It was a little erratic. I think he was nervous. You know, did strike out Abreu though, who's the AL MVP, made him look stupid. That dude, that minor league season starts May first. If he has control, because that's the big thing you look for from guys who throw over 100 miles an hour. If he has control, uh, you're not going to have him be in the minors for too long. And it's not like with hitters. With hitters, you want to see X amount of at bats through the levels before you really gauge whether or not you want to bring them up to the show. But with a pitcher who throws 101, if his control's there, you bring him up. There's no, there's no, I don't know if this 100-mile-an-hour fastball will play at the major league. You know it does. You throw 100, that translates to all levels. That's not like a guy tearing up double A and then going, oh, well, he's going to face major league hitting now or pitching now. I wonder how that's going to play. It's different. So if he lights it up, you know, May through 
I don't know, say they gave him 10 starts in the minors, 10 to 12 starts. There's no reason why Marquez can't make an appearance on the Cubs roster, the big league roster, second half of the season. So again, Marquez, uh, Brennan Davis is 21 and people have high hopes for him. He's going to get a full minor league season. I'm not saying he's going to come up this year. Maybe he'll get a September look, but I think he could be a guy that comes up. You know, you got you got a rookie who say he tears up in spring training. They'll probably start him low because maybe they'll do a little service time manipulation with a guy like that, which they weren't doing with Nico, by the way, because they already had him up for the whole 2020 season. Why would they have done it? That you know that wouldn't have made sense. So I kept telling people, you only believe that because Jesse Rogers put that out there, and then it made everyone angry, and you just blindly accepted it. the same Jesse Rogers who got a Chris Bryant quote wrong, despite the fact that we had Chris Bryant on mugging fucking film. I'm not saying it's easy to be a a, a beat writer, but when you have a bullshit headline that's clearly clickbait and everyone calls you on it, at least own up to it. And I'm, I'm, I like a lot of Jesse Rogers stuff. Although I met him once after a stand-up show and he didn't, he wasn't all like great set, which I had a fucking great set. So I felt like he could have been like, dude, that was hilarious. He was just like, Oh, how you doing? I'm like, how am I doing? I'm doing great motherfucker. I just dominated on stage in front of a few hundred strangers. Yeah. You understand? As I was walking through these people to say hi to you, cause I, this was in LA, by the way. It was at the Hollywood Improv. That's why I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to go say what's up to that guy. I read his shit on, on Twitter all the time because when I was living in LA, that's how I kept up with the Cubs a lot of the times. But then, you know, his his people probably said, hey, we need more clicks on your article. So it's like Chris Bryant's not having fun, which is not what he's, well, anyway, that was a whole thing. Chris Bryant was on some show. I can't remember what show it was, but it was a video interview. And he said there were times where it wasn't fun, but then I, turned it around and was having a great time. And then his quote was like, Chris Bryant's not having fun anymore. That was like the headline where it's like, no, that's not what I fucking said. Dipshit like that. You see how misleading that was. So he did the same thing with the Nico manipulation, the service time manipulation. Oh, they're going to keep him down for 37 days. Oh, that were the case. They wouldn't have brought him up when we were below 500 in fucking April, just because Jock Peterson got hurt. They would have brought up Cameron Mabin. Who's an outfielder, Right. Right? Yes, I know I'm right. Thank you for agreeing with me. You listening in your car right now. I don't know. I try to pretend like I know what, who's listening and where they're at right now. You in the gym? What are you guys doing? Where are you right now? All right, I've been rambling for a while. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just try to summarize or sum up what I've been talking about the last few minutes about the 2021 season. Um, you know, I did that one episode all about the 2018 season. Maybe I should have done this in about 2019. It kind of, you know, worked our way up to present day. But I do have a guest lined up for next week. Uh, a couple people I've been talking to, and they're great. And if you're big on the world of Cubs Twitter, I'm sure you're fans of their takes. So this will be a fun one to get their history with the Cubs and why they fell in love with our beloved franchise. So going, looking in the future and looking in right now, it is kind of, again, I want every year to, e- to end with the Cubs going to the playoffs at the least. Obviously, I want every year with the Cubs winning the World Series, but you always take it. I, I like the fact that we were kind of going to the playoffs every year and it was expected. Even when we had question marks, it was still like, this is nice that we expect to play in October every season. Great. Obviously, you want to win some games, win some series, win the whole damn thing. But I remember thinking to myself just recently about this season going, the people who think we need a full rebuild are are some of the same people who started saying negative stuff about Theo and Jed to a lot of degrees. And then they think we just need to rebuild it again. And in my head, I'm like, you guys must be new to baseball or new to sports in general because rebuilds are hard. They don't work all that often. And you could do everything right and still not win. There's examples. 
and and, st- and I think I feel like I'm sound like a broken record, but this is probably just stuff I've said to friends in person or not really in person because I barely see anyone anymore, but it's things I've been saying. The Detroit Tigers from like 2004 to 2010 or 11 had a really solid team. They did a lot right in that rebuild. Offensively, they were probably a batter too short. Pitching-wise, though, had a great rotation. They were drafting great pitchers every year. They were developing them. The Texas Rangers went to back-to-back World Series, didn't win. That was a really good rebuild. Uh, who else? The Mets? Remember the Mets that swept us in 2015? They rebuilt all off of pitching. Pitching got a little banged up. There goes that. That's why I always supported the Cubs idea. And read the book, The Cubs Way by Tom Verducci. It talks about how the Cubs built that 2016 team. It was on purpose that they weren't going out of their way to develop pitching. They then realized that, hey, we're going to have to develop some. And I think that was part of the plan. They had like phases. They were like Marvel. You had phase one, phase two, all this. These In phase one, we're going to drop Iron Man, Captain America, Thor. And then we're going to do a couple sequels. And then that phase will end with... Uh, the first Avengers movie. And you know, that's, I think they were doing it. They're like, Hey, we got a five-year plan in place. And we think the best way to execute this five-year plan, which is culminating with year five, which by the way, everyone, in case you don't remember year five, 2016, we won the world series. An amazing plan. Never has a plan been so goddamn good. The idea was we'll draft young hitting. We'll trade and sign pitching. And that's what they did. And it worked great. He signed Jason um, Hamels and John Lester. Hamels was interesting because they traded him and then signed him in the offseason, which is kind of what I said could be an interesting thing to do with Chris Bryant. And then they, you know, traded for Jake Arrieta famously. So your rotation, Lester, Arietta, Hamill. Then they signed Lackey for 2016. And then Hendricks they also traded for. By the way, they developed Arietta and Hendricks. I always act, I hate when people go, the Cubs haven't developed any pitching. I know they didn't draft Arietta, and I know they didn't draft Hendricks, but they turned them around. Um, Hendricks was a guy that was like an eighth-round pick, I want to say, out of Dartmouth. Smart dude, but no, it wasn't any scouts' wet dream. When we traded for him, he was an A-ball. We brought him into our A-ball, so it wasn't like some triple-A prospect who was on the verge. No, we developed that guy. So I don't like this idea that like only if you draft him is someone to develop. So anyway, I think the Cubs pitching apparatus – the pitch lab, everything of that is is turning things around. I really have got a lot of faith in it. And even at the major league level, when people keep going, we haven't d- developed anyone, developed anyone. The, the strategy worked, though. From 2015 through last season, the Cubs have had the second best ERA in baseball from the pitching side. Obviously, from the pitching side, I just use the phrase ERA. I'm getting tired, everyone. But the point was our hitting didn't progress. The stars we had didn't take the next step, and there was all sorts of varying reasons why and i've kind of brought that up on the last solo podcast i did if you just go to uh, the podcast called 2018 you'll see or you'll hear i should start a youtube channel though because i am filming these as well i don't know why what i'm doing with the full episodes um i think i'll put them on on tap sports network uh the cubs on tap i've been meaning to cut up the clips and put them there at least the interview segments i think you guys would find interesting anyway all right to wrap it up though i definitely think the cubs future is much brighter than you think anyone out there who was jumping off a ledge last week. I'm not sure if I want to welcome you back because if, if you're going to freak out that early into a season, I don't think baseball's for you. Maybe you should take the rest of this year off because, again, there's going to be ups and downs. I think the Cubs are going to remain competitive at a high level throughout the season, though. Uh, I think David Ross is a very, very good manager. Again, I like what he did with the lineup today. Uh, Jack Peterson being out with Nico up. Some people are like, hey, 
Jock wasn't hitting. This is great. How long could he be out for? Ah, you don't want to wish injury on anyone. Jock's a guy who had a, a killer playoff run. The guy had like 400 in the playoffs. And I think when he's going right, is a guy that's a very, very good baseball player. If you look at his numbers, he's, he's this high strikeout guy, sure. Um, although he's curbed that in recent seasons. Not a guy who's going to get a lot of base hits, but has some power. And he's playing for another contract. Again, there's a human side of this thing. Unless someone's a real piece of shit, like an Addison Russell, I root for most people, especially people who wear Cubs, a Cubs uniform. So hopefully Jack comes back and he's 100% healthy and is, he's feeling good and he puts some damage on the ball and gets his numbers up uh, because that'll only help the team in a lot of ways. So you got to root for these, these guys to do well. Because if you're in the mindset that they need a rebuild, which again, I don't think they need a rebuild. They got all this money to play with next year too. That even bring up that point. They only have like 50 million committed. There's so much money. So if they make a couple trades to get a few more prospects, the farm is already on the rise, I believe. It'll be on the rise even more so. And then you have all this free agency. You know what I mean? Like obviously the offense needs a different look. As much as I love Javi, if he continues striking out this alarming rate, it just doesn't fit with the current lineup. Then you go out and get Corey Seager, a guy who doesn't strike out much at all. Bring back Bryant. Now you got a nice little three, four, five there with a righty, lefty, righty thing. I love Wilson Contreras. I'd extend him. Happy you don't have to worry about for a few years. Nico, you're not gonna have to worry about for a good five seasons at least. So you're you're now you're rounding out a nice little offense. It's a good thing to see. What other players am I missing? Right there, you got Nico in center. You'd have Hayward, obviously, still under contract and right. Brennan Davis, who can be coming up in 2022 to push Nico or push Hap over to left. Then you got a, up the middle of Corey Seager and Nico. Look, I still have Javi, though, so I'm rooting for him to figure some stuff out. But at present day, like we got to be realistic. They're not bringing back all three. Rizzo, I'd even mention because they, ooh, they better. Um, Anthony Rizzo better be playing the rest of his days in a Cubs uniform, as far as I'm concerned. Even if we go, man, he's not good anymore toward the end and he's getting all this money. I don't care. Okay. There's always going to be a, there's always going to be players who aren't getting them. You know what I mean? You think Soriano is still worth 18 million at the end of his, you think, look, I love Jason Hayward, but he, he probably knows that the last two years of him making 23 million on this contract won't be worth that. But some people, look, it's not our money. Okay. Don't let them tell you that there's this budget and everything has to work within it. Um, cause this is the highest ticket prices in baseball too. If you, if you want the Cubs to start acting like the Tampa Bay Rays, you better bitch about ticket prices and the Tampa Bay Rays to remind everyone has a have a cycle. They're great. They're, they suck for three years, and they're great for three years. Then around year four, they go, oh, we can't afford everyone because their prices are going up. And then they trade off a bunch of players, and then they're bad again for three years, and they'll be good for three or four years. And while they're good for the three or four years, everyone just ignores the fact that they had to suck to get those draft picks. And then at the end of that run, they traded their good players to restock to get the cheap talent to come through again. It's not a fun cycle. And everyone's just like, yeah, but they're smart. They keep their prospects. The Cubs, the Cubs, you know. They got rid of Glaber Torres, and then they they traded like no, they're because they're going for it. You want to be a fan of an organization that goes for it. I'll give you an example: if the Cubs were the Rays, they never make the Ben Zobra signing. They go, we still have Starlin Castro under contract. Javi Baez could play second full time. We give him a shot. We got Addison Russell cemented at shortstop, and then this Glaber Torres kid, he's only eighteen now, but it's, again, a few years away. And then they don't make the trade for Ben Zobras. And guess what? They don't win the World Series. Because the elite teams that make those Ben Zobers type decisions know that this is what's going to push us over the top in October. They make the Chapman trade because they know this is what's going to push us over the top in October. The Tampa Bay Rays of the world can't make those choices because they can't afford to make those choices. 
and they don't make those decisions. And then they, they play it up like, well, we wanted to keep our, our young players. And, and then some teams, and sometimes it works out where a few years later, that guy's a star. But you ask any fan of that team, they'd be like, I actually wish we would have pulled the trigger and gotten that ring. You can't just keep almost winning it all every few years. And it's, and yeah, a bunch of nerd fans out there would be like $40 million and they won 97 games. It's like, okay. That, that, there's not, there's no reward for that. It's cool. It makes for a great book. I love Moneyball, and I read a lot of the books by the baseball prospectus guys and other baseball writers around. There's some really awesome reads out there. But at the end of the day, you want to be hooting and hollering with your friends. You want to be screaming and crying and going, oh, my God, I can't believe we won it. I did cry when the Cubs won in 2016, but I don't think you get to cry the second time. So unless I got a lot of shit going on in my life and then I just break down and then, you know, don't judge me for that. Am I right? All right. Enough rambling from me, everyone. This has been the true blue Cubs podcast. Uh, thank you guys for listening. If you like my stand-up comedy, go to YouTube, youtube.com slash Joe Kilgallen. Um, check out Cubs on tap, everybody, the whole on tap sports network, some great people there. And you know what? Let's just keep having fun out there. Let's enjoy the ride. And as always go Cubs.